All right, everybody. Hey, welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. I don't know where in the world that you are, but uh, I'm really excited that you're listening in today because I got my buddy Darren Shearer here. Darren, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. It's good to be back, John. You know, Darren and I were just comparing notes like, man, you know, buddy, we've known each other so long. Like, where did we first meet? And we were able to backtrack. Uh, Tyler McCart, uh, if you're out there, we met at Podcast Movement seven years ago, and then Tyler uh, heard me share a question, and he came right up to me and said, man, there's not a lot of guys of faith that are really in kind of the core podcast movement, the kind of a secular movement at this point, other than people kind of doing a lot of podcasts around their church sermons. And the marketplace movement, uh, you know, as a ministry was still, I, I think at the time, seven years ago, Darren it was really getting some traction, but really hadn't become as popular as it is today. And all of a sudden we got together on a call that Tyler pulled together a whole bunch of folks that were just believers that were out podcast and sharing the message God put on their heart. And that's where we connect. And it's been so neat to uh, see your journey, you know, especially. So here's a little bit about Darren. For, he founded the Theology of Business Institute. Doesn't that sound like you want to hang out with Darren just right there, like around the fire pit. You know what I really like, Darren, what your focus has been since you got out of the Air Force. And was this your focus in the Air Force also? This, uh, the marketplace is the ministry. How do we explore God's will? As a matter of fact, it was. Um, actually, kind of the first part of my Air Force career, which was very short, four years, and then kind of did my four and out. Initially, I was my mindset of what ministry was was something that happens in your local church or through like a local church program. And I was leaving the base one day and the Lord just spoke to me. I was about to go do some of that volunteer work through my church. And um, and the Lord spoke to me and said, This base is your ministry. And so I just started kind of gathering other believers from the base, the chaplain was coming and put together some curriculum kind of around using some Oz Hillman stuff and just the idea of faith in the workplace and just got really excited by the idea that I didn't have to go stand behind a pulpit to be in ministry, that that base really could be my mission field and a place for being discipled and making disciples. So that's kind of where it began for me. Well, you know, I love that too, because, you know, just following God's call into that place, you've authored three books, uh, Marketing Like Jesus. I think that was one of our first conversations. It's 25 Strategies to Change the World. You wrote The Marketplace Christian, which is this practical guide on using your spiritual gifts in business, which is, uh, you know, when you start looking at it from that perspective and the things that you write, you're like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense how I do this naturally or how I come across or how I can build into these things that totally fits into, you know, what God's trying to do in the world that I can join them in. And in that you just got uh, fascinated with publishing books. You were publishing your own books. You used, you decided to start hybrid media and anybody out there that's looking at wanting to write a book, publish a book, you've published 135 books since 2013. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And, uh, and I got to tell you this, too, because a lot of people, have, they probably don't understand this. You know, as a captain in the Air Force, the work that you did, you got a, what's called an Air Force Commendation Medal. In the Navy, we have also a Navy Commendation Medal. I never got the Navy Com, even with everything I did there. And, 
and just mad respect. I know what it takes to actually uh, stand out in a way that your your leadership wants to put you in for that. So well, the captain's uh, rank is also a lot higher in the in the Navy. So I don't know. Maybe there's they're using that kind of measuring stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, that's our, 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 a captain in the Navy is a lieutenant. You know the two yeah. bars. Right. Yeah, we go lieutenant, then a major is lieutenant commander. So yeah, exactly. Which in Navy's a, in like, a, yeah, well, everything in the Navy comes from British Admiralty. That's all the the foundational things. But hey, folks, here's what we want to talk about today. Is we're sitting here, we're talking, and we're chatting. I think this is a great question for this time that we're in right now. What is a Christ-centered business? You know, what does it even look like? How would I know I have it? Does it mean that we're doing church at work? Are we only hiring Christians? Uh, how do we look at our finances? What are our principles? Like, how do we make decisions? Big decisions, hiring, firing. Okay, so this is also, I think, where a lot of, I would say, leaders that are Christians, which is different. I want to make a differentiation from a Christian leader. Okay. So a lot of us are, we're in a leadership role, we're in business and we are Christians. And from that context, a lot of us, I, this is how I was always taught Darren with, you know, there's almost like two separate worlds, be a good person, be moral, right. Treat people well, but past that, there wasn't a lot that I thought about from scripture that I that I brought into my work, um, you know, nine to five, actually, it was more like seven to eight, Monday through Friday, I just work stupid hours and entrepreneur. So I want to dig in and talk about that. And what are some things that you guys, uh, Darren is going to share a couple of things that he has created that can really help you with looking at your role in that. And also, if you lead a team, how to bring some things into your team, even if you have a, a very diverse and mixed team, Okay. But with that, uh, Darren, I'd love to ask you a question. You know, as you've been really uh, jumping in here, you've had a this crazy career, you know, trying to start your first company and you had $5,000 stolen, right? And I yeah. went to start my first company with um, my best friend and he had a majority of the company and, and he ended up... Uh, it really turned out really poorly. The, not only did the company blow up, but so did our friendship. Mm, oh, wow. Right. And I got to tell you, I don't know about you, but some of my early experiences in business as a new Christian, I felt like, oh, you know, okay, I'm going to be able to make better decisions. I didn't know if it was going to be easier, but I thought I'd have a lot more wisdom and discernment. And I got to tell you, like, I just went from chaos to storm to the next mess that I had to clean up. And I got to tell you, in, in that, I think it was because I was a little bit immature in my faith at the time, I honestly just started looking at, you know, what I, what John can do. It was no longer this first love, this partnership. Now, I don't know if you experienced that or you work with people. And it took me, God took me through this long circle to get back into partnership with him. But think about that, you know, the everyday person out there, they're going to church on Sunday they love the Lord. They're working on their faith. How do you even think about, you talk about that theology of business. How do you even think about the role that our faith, our relationship with Christ has to do with what we're doing, you know, a majority of our life, Monday through Friday? 
Yeah. I mean, that's the question that's been kind of at the heart of the faith and work movement for really all time. I think really what we think of as the faith and work movement, the modern faith and work movement probably started probably around the 1930s. Um, but kind of up to where we are today, I mean, it, does it mean that as a Christian business person, your ministry is to give financially? Yeah, it it, it probably does mean that. Does it mean you're, you're supposed to take good care of your employees and have more of kind of an HR focus. It, yeah, it does mean that. Um, it, it means all of these things. Well, I would say a lot of these things, probably not everything, or fighting against injustices in the workplace. And there's a big diversity movement, you know, those kinds of things. I think that's all part of the heart of God in terms of the application of that. Not, not always the case, but I think when it comes down to it, uh, certainly our mission is to love God, love others. What that looks like for a marketplace Christian, as I understand it, it's to make disciples. I mean, it's to, that's the mission, right? Go into all the world. Don't just make a profit. Don't just go build churches. Don't just go preach sermons. It's to go and and make disciples. And so that means revealing the glory of God as an, on an individual level, but also through the culture of an organization, which certainly you're not going to shift a culture without a, a, at least one individual just going wholeheartedly after God and saying, God, here I am, use me. Now use this company, use this organization that you've put in my hand that I'm holding lightly because I want you to use it the way that you want to use it. And, and so and it goes beyond just taking a, a couple of biblical principles, you know, a couple of proverbs and saying, yeah, that's what we, when we say Christ-centered business, that means don't cheat people, you know, because uh, it says in Proverbs that a false weight is an abomination to the Lord, which really a is false about- weight? Yes, a, a false weight. So, you know, back in that, the ancient Near East, if you were going to sell something, it had to be weighed out, right? So if you're going to buy some spices or whatever you're going to buy, you had to have some scales. And typically the salesman had the scales when he went into the poor person's house because the poor person maybe didn't have their own scales. And so there was a lot of uh, cheating that was going on, a lot of a lot of injustice in that way. So the Bible says that a, a false weight is an abomination to the Lord. For example, how does, what does that mean Today, what does that mean? I mean, whenever you go by, I used to live in New York City, and there are stores you would walk by, and it would say, um, "Going out of business sale, everything must go seventy percent off." And then you realize, you know, that store's been here the last two years, and they've had the same exact signage up advertising that sale. Maybe it's not actually a sale, or that you know, <laughs> lim- limited time offer, and yet. You can basically think of Elf, right? The world's best cup of coffee. Like, oh <laughs> exactly. my god! Exactly. But you know what, though? Once again, that's in New York City too, right? So there's a that lot. Is of, New York you City, go into you... Little Italy, and it's you know the world's best cannoli, and and. But so... you know what I'm thinking of, though? You know, little things, though. And there's such a, oh my goodness, there's such a ability to compromise. If I'm actually looking at it from, if I'm self-focused, if I'm even looking at um, how I give people bonuses. If I'm looking at a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, benefits package. And I'm sitting there designing my benefits package. You know what? I can make little tweaks in those languages. And all of a sudden, because it saved the company a ton of money, but are my people, 
when they really need, you know, help the most, they're left high and dry. That just happened to a friend of ours with cancer. Their chemotherapy wasn't covered. It was excluded or part of it. There was a cap on it in the policy. Yeah. Little things like that, because somebody's trusting you when you're an employee of an organization and when you have the ability to go. So that's just one example that popped into my head. Yeah. And, you know, the, the scripture teaches that if whoever doesn't take care of his own household is worse than an unbeliever in the biblical view of household is not just the family, but it's like the nuclear family, but the business. I mean, I just noticed this recently. Who was going to inherit Abraham's estate were it not for an actual biological son? The Bible tells us that it was this, this guy, what was it, Eleazar of Damascus. This guy was in charge of his household. This guy was in charge of his business. That was the guy that was going to inherit Abraham's estate. And so it was massive in today's dollars. He was a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so whoever doesn't take care of his own household. So if you don't take care of your people, if you're managing a company, running a company, I can see at the, at the end of the, you know, we're right here at the end of the year, there's a lot of charitable giving going on and we feel good when we can see that dollar amount that we gave to such and such a charity or, or to my church. Meanwhile, those the needs of the employees that work in the company are kind of neglected. It's like, well, they're getting a salary. So, you know, that they should be good enough with those wages. And um, Chris Patton, their organization, his way at work has some really great teaching on how to not do that. You know, how to do um, employee care the right way when it comes to charitable giving and not just assuming charitable giving as a company means send it all out the door to missions, but, let's look at the needs in our, in our own, um, our own community first. Yeah. And you mentioned the word discipleship before Darren, I think a lot of times when we think of our faith in the workplace, we're thinking, and maybe this is just me, but I'm thinking of a place of either sharing my testimony, evangelism, proselytizing. And I think we really have to go and meet people where their needs are just like Jesus did. And, and you wrote about this around discipleship. And I'd love for you to talk more about this, because uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul really simplified disciple-making uh, with this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And what does that look like to you as somebody, you know, who's listening to this driving into work today as I get into the office? Yeah, I mean, I think it happens again, not only on an individual level, but on a corporate level, on a cultural level, because long after you leave your company, whatever's left of that culture is going to be discipling people. I mean, the culture of your company is like a disciple making engine and with people kind of going in and out. And yeah, people affect the culture of the, of the organization And so it's either going to be leading people toward Jesus or away from Jesus and kind of conforming to the pattern of this world or really representing the will and the ways of God as it relates to business in this case. And so I think that's what discipleship is. First and foremost, I think companies are, they're marketing not just products and services, but a culture and the people that come to work for that company. I mean, you can see it 
if you know somebody who works at Apple or you say, um, when you think about just the corporate culture of Apple, there's just something specific that comes to mind. Or if you work for Chick-fil-A, there's some there's a culture that comes to mind that is kind of representing one thing or another. And so we want to, as Christians, we want to have Christ-centered cultures. And that doesn't mean you have to be the founder CEO of the company to be able to shape culture. I felt like I was doing that in the Air Force. And I, I know you did too there in the Navy, John, and kind of scale, like large scale ways and small scale ways. We have an opportunity to, in this case, in business to discover and apply God's will for business. And so that means to me, digging into the scriptures so that we can then uh, work those things out in our own personal lives. For example, Jesus says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. This is one that's just coming to my mind right now. There is a lot of wishy-washiness that goes on in business where you know, yeah, I know I made that concession, but um, I don't think I'm actually going to do that now. And just a lot of um, kind of wishy-washiness. So if this is your price, you know, don't go with a false weight and just kind of give preferential pricing to certain people. You know what I think can uh, pull into that? It's subtle. And I think if we are working from a place of a constructed or a false identity, and we don't really aren't in touch with who God created us to be, our, our core values, our beliefs, our spiritual gifting, our strengths, our talents. You got to understand who God sees when he looks at you, not what you see in the mirror. Because if I'm operating from this place where I'm like, hmm, what should I do in this situation? And I don't really have a really good framework on what to say yes to and no to that would actually be pleasing to God. I can definitely make some mistakes, and I most certainly have. And I think, you know, this process of transformation, transforming our mind, you know, closing that gap between this identity that you have when you look in the mirror and the one that God sees when he looks at you is so important. Because here's what, what I see happens out there is all of a sudden you get stuck and you have to make a decision. You're like, oh my gosh, if I do this, I can make more money or I can maybe get that promotion, but at the expense of something. You know what? And if you really knew who you were at the core, those decisions, when you really know, especially your core values, decisions become easier. Your clarity is enhanced. God can pour his wisdom into these different situations, can't they, Darren? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's another principle, like um, where it, it says to write the vision and make it plain. Um, I mean, I think our companies, as Christ-centered companies that we're running, again, whether we're the CEO or a, a mid-level manager, um, we should be. We should have mission statements. We should have stated values for the company, so that. People will, it says that uh, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. They don't really know, they don't know why we exist. Um, Simon Sinek says, uh, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And so just making, um, going to the Lord and prayer and discussion with your, with your leadership team and just digging into what, uh, why do we exist and what is the why and 
And naturally, as you know, John, because I know you do a lot of these exercises with your clients, the tendency is one to focus on just kind of the what we do and how we do it, not necessarily the why we do it. But ultimately, for Christians who are who are running businesses, it's for the glory of God, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean you know. And that said, you know, think about you know the leadership industry. I think has done all of us a disservice, Darren. Because we absolutely focus on the why and the what and the how. And every one of us probably listening can name people that have made a living on focusing on one of those three areas. And here's what I know. Darren, you, you, know, you came out of the Air Force. You went to seminary. You chose to build a business. Your dad was one of your closest advisors. And you've had, and you've had your highs and lows, but you've had success. And if I said, Darren, I want you to be my mentor. And if I was taking your best coaching, your best advice, but I was running it through a flawed person, see, that's what's missing is the who. I am not going to get the results that you got. And folks out there, if you're frustrated with some of the results that you're getting right now, sometimes it's as simple as saying, okay, not only have I been working on becoming a better version of myself, but who am I also getting my advice from? But let's start with the the, the first one. I Back to identity, I, I think that like what you're talking about, Darren, the who is so important because we're not going to get those outcomes that we want, living life fully alive, having an amazing marriage, having this incredible relationship with our kids, excited to go to work on Monday morning if we are living under the expectations of other people. Hey, how should I show up? Hmm. What values do you think I should show in this situation to impress those people? And that, I got to tell you, that's where I operated for a majority of my life, Darren, and it was stressful. Yeah. What I've discovered is in, in developing this Christ-centered company assessment, which is 50 biblical business principles, and, and it, it goes all the way from your corporate culture and leadership to risk management, marketing, uh, financial controls, all, all different facets of the business. But the first principle of that assessment is that our company's managers work for God and recognize God is on the receiving end of every action we take in business. And this comes from Colossians 3.23, which is whatever you do, do it for the Lord and not for men. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And so typically in the faith and work movement, the focus is on Jesus is my CEO. You know, Jesus is the chairman of the board. But what if we thought about Jesus as that entry-level employee? What if we thought about Jesus as, because we know that we're serving all of our employees. We know that we're serving not just them, but their families. Um, what if we thought about Jesus as that vendor, that vendor? that maybe we're a little bit frustrated with um, or with the IRS agent who's breathing down our neck about something or giving us a hard time about something. And so I think this is where we can start to invite God into all aspects of the business because it is a relationship. And when you start to see Jesus, not just as like the master that entrusted his servants with uh, talents and then left, and then eventually came back. But now he's also that entry-level employee. He's our customer. He's our client. He's our coworker. He's our, our supplier, our consultant. And we start to relate to Jesus through every person that we interact with in business is really transformational, which I know is a word that you like, John. 
I do like that word because you know what transformational really means? It means permanent change. Yeah. And what it means is, you know what? I can get different results a year from now or two years from now or 10 years from now than I'm getting right now. And it's about this journey of, I think at the core of really understanding two things. A, who is God? Your understanding of the nature of God. And that's going to take abiding in the word, reading scripture, prayer, being around uh, believers who are ahead of you that are mature, that are speaking into you. And I think that other one is, what is your identity in Christ? Because as I worked on those two areas, that those questions of the who, the what, I mean, the why, the what, and the how, for me, which it always kind of I've struggled with in the past, became very different. Yeah. So, but I want to circle back and I, I, I'd love to ask you more. The guys, uh, Darren just mentioned the Christ-centered company assessment. I'd love for y'all to take that. Um, you can just go to theologyofbusiness.com. So it's theologyofbusiness.com. Right on the front page is a button uh, to uh, uh, take our assessments. And you'll see not only the uh, Christ-centered uh, company assessment, but also spiritual gifts in the marketplace assessment. But so Darren, let's just say I went and I took the, for somebody out there who isn't familiar with it, they take the Christ Center company assessment. And once I have that, um, what's the next step? Yeah. So what, what I'm actually doing right now is developing commentaries for each one of those principles. So um, you don't just get the principle and you're like, wow, we're, we're terrible at that. Um, now what? And so the commentaries are going to offer more guidance. And then if people want more guidance beyond that and some actual coaching to help grow in some of those areas, maybe related to your company's accounting practices as it relates to scriptural principles or your marketing practices, then you can reach out to us through theologyofbusiness.com. And we can certainly provide some of that, that, uh, that consulting. And we also have some groups that are meeting um, called Cornerstone Advisory Groups. And so this is an opportunity to kind of walk through this assessment with peers in business. And um, But that's really the foundational principle is that every person that we interact with in business, whether it's what type of advertising are we going to offer? Are we going to put that scantily clad you know, woman on this ad? Um, or are we, are we not going to do that? Well, unless you think about Jesus on the receiving end of that advertising, it's going to be very easy to just kind of have this sort of deistic view of God, which is the idea that God just sort of set things in motion and then took off. And eventually, you know, we'll, we'll have to settle up with our account with God, but God is much more personal than that. God is wants to be intimately involved in everything that we're doing in business. And that way that, I mean, if we think about him that way, we can start to see Jesus like where he says in Matthew 25, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. If you haven't done it to them, you haven't done it to me. I know typically we think about that as being referring to the materially poor, but Hey, I mean, revelation four, we're all naked, destitute. You know, even if you think you're rich, like we're all pretty, pretty poor if you think about it. And so I think we can start to see Jesus in every aspect of the business. 
You know, as you were talking, I had a thought on every aspect of the business. It's interesting as I work with coaching clients from CEOs of, you know, big public companies to ministries to Christian coaches, you know, building a practice. One of the things that I've found my Christian clients really struggle with is profitability, um, profit goals, profit, you know, uh, cash flow. I would love for you to share your thoughts on as believers, as we're looking at the impact that we want to have partnering with the Lord. And we're also in business, building a business, because unless we have cash flow, unless we have resources, it's really hard to grow a company. So how do we even think about that element of God's will partnering with us in the business world? Yeah. As it relates to profitability, I would actually recommend um, Jay Jacob on that. Uh, works with the Mars Corporation. And this is actually a privately held, you know, this is the same company that makes M&Ms and, you know, all these iconic brands, but they've done a lot of, uh, a lot of focus, a lot of, he's got a book called Completing Capitalism. So I would definitely recommend going toward him to go deeper into this idea of how much profit do you need? Because what, what they're teaching is that the problem is that we're, a lot in a lot of cases sucking the profit out of the value chain and then the value chain just can't deliver the value anymore i mean i was just thinking about one of the scriptural principles specifically would be like the rich fool i mean the guy that um just just wanted to build bigger barns it's like what am i going to do with all this profit you know all this all this wealth you know instead of and i don't know what if he was a business owner or or he i mean i'm sure he was some sort of a business owner but instead of kind of putting things back into production, his solution was, let's just build bigger barns. And so, you know, maybe there's some business owners out there that are, instead of investing back into the business to be able to deliver more value for the stakeholders, it's like, well, let me just um, tuck it away for a rainy day. So that's just kind of one way I, I think about profit. Well, yeah. And also I think, you know, as a, as a, business owner, entrepreneur, right? You're, I'm just looking at my son right now. You know, he got his first job out of college and, you know, after, and it's kind of, you know, his starting wage, but after uh, what he gets paid, after he has to pay for, you know, his son and an apartment and insurance and all these different things, school loans, he literally has $80 a week left to live on for groceries and everything else. Hmm. Think about that. When we grow a business and expand and have profitability goals, not only can we bless more people, but what we can pay people allows them to enrich in their lives and be able to think about, you know, past survival and just making ends meet to actually looking into impact and, and what a gift we can give people by growing a business and not only hiring more people, but wouldn't it be awesome that the standard was working for a, a Christ-centered company that we had the highest retention, the best culture, and also the highest wages of anybody else in the space. And we did that with a higher profit margin. Yeah, that, Talk about creating something that the world would be like, what is this group of leaders doing that are all Christians that we're not doing? Yeah. Yeah. And this is this profitability question and, you know, what is a livable wage? You know, when we talk about everybody, you know, should get a livable wage if they're doing work. And, you know, we do pay 
we pay people different amounts for different skill sets, right? Like for different types of jobs. And, and this is kind of a hard question when it comes to how do you square that with, with the scripture? Like, why is it, is it okay as a Christian to pay some people a whole, like in some cases, like extraordinarily, uh, uh, more than you would pay the same person for the same 40 hours of work. And, you know, these are, I don't think we have, the scripture doesn't really offer hard and fast answers for those things. Um, but th there is a world in which, um, and I'm not talking about some sort of utopia or, you know, socialist utopia or anything like that, but where there was no need among them. You know, and that's what was said of the early church, that there was no need among them. And so the problem is how we actually implement that. What are, what are our methods toward to, in pursuit of that? And I don't think it looks like what a lot of the solutions that are being offered are out there have been presented as. I think um, we have a lot more thinking and um Again, I'll point you back toward his way at work and what Chris Patton and their organization is doing. And I mean, they're not saying let's pay everybody the same wage. Like I know some companies have done this where um, what was it gravity payments where the, the CEO said, okay, my, my salary is going to be 70 grand. In fact, minimum wage in this company is going to be 70 grand. That's not what they're saying. And, and that may work for a software company like that. I don't know where they're trying to attract you know, highly educated, you know, software technology workers that want to be a part of a culture like that. But what his way of work is working with is more kind of factory workers and minimum wage type jobs. Um, but there's the focus is still on how do we make sure that if somebody's got um, a death in the family, like where are they going to get the burial expenses for that? And that's where they have a systems and programs to make sure that the employees can rally around and take care of each other, you know, with the matching donation from the company and that sort of thing. We've covered a lot. And I want to share one thing though, here, as we kind of wrap up though, Darren, you started out doing a little bit of proofreading. You turned that into a, uh, a successful multi six figure publishing company and I just finished publishing a book. And I know there's some people out there that just have a message on their heart. They want to get out there. They want to write a book. As we wrap up, could you share a little bit about High Point and how people might be able to engage with you also on that level, in addition to yeah. the uh, marketplace ministry level? Yeah. So when I was living in New York City, there's a bridge in my neighborhood that connected the Bronx to Manhattan. And it was it's the oldest bridge in all of New York City called the High Bridge it was built as an aqueduct to bring water into the city. And so when I was living there, the Lord just gave me this vision that this company would be like an aqueduct to bring life-giving messages and stories to people. And that's what he's been faithful to do um, over the last about roughly eight years. And so if, if anyone, we're not necessarily looking for Christian books. C.S. Lewis said, we don't need more Christian books. We need more books written by Christians. And mm -hmm. so we do publish leadership, but we do publish a lot of Christian living books, but we also publish leadership books like Ford Taylor's Relational Leadership. I know he's been on this show. And so we're looking for more Christ-centered authors that have Christ-centered messages 
for people. Again, not necessarily putting chapter and verse all throughout the book, but that you are serious about making disciples of the of people in the culture. So you can reach out to us at hybridbooks.com. Actually, you can reach out to me directly at Darren, that's D-A-R-R-E-N at hybridbooks.com. Awesome, buddy. Love it. So we got theology of business, hybrid books that they can connect with you. What are uh, just some final thoughts here as we wrap up, my friend? Yeah, I mean, to go really start to take the next step toward uh, some of these things that uh, John and I have been talking about, I encourage you to go to theologyofbusiness.com right there on the front page. It says, take our assessments. And I invite you to do that, um, especially if you're uh, an executive or manager of a company and wanting to know, how do I go beyond just this idea that God cares about business or that I don't have to go to seminary to be in ministry? What does it actually look like? to honor God through a business in marketing and accounting and all the different facets of business. I encourage you to go take that assessment. Outstanding. Um, Darren, thank you for who you are, buddy, and what you do. And uh, I really look forward to our next conversation and uh, just keep knocking them alive out there, my friend. Yeah. And I want to say thank you, John, for the work that you continue to do. And thank you. I, as you know, I had COVID a couple of weeks ago and I was actually sitting there in the emergency room. My oxygen was at like 91 and I was like, what's going to happen now? I got an email from you, John, uh, just asking, how am I doing? And you just were really there to encourage me there in a, you know, kind of a somewhat of a scary moment considering, you know, my dad passed away from COVID this time last year, but I just wanted to thank you for being the real deal, brother. Well, my pleasure, man. It, and I got to tell you, it, if you haven't had it or you haven't been hospitalized with it, that was scary because yeah. you didn't know whether you get to even say goodbye because the policy here in Colorado, at least, is there's no visitors. So if it had really gone wrong, you don't get to say goodbye to folks. And th that's the thing that was really weighing on me, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. It was rough, but thanks for being the redemptive uh, voice there. My pleasure. Well, buddy, you are awesome. You're the real deal and uh, go enjoy those uh, kiddos that you got quiet uh, who are all being homeschooled around you. Yep. I'm going to go um, open the, the barn door and they're all going to run out. So. All right. All <laughs> right. See you, buddy. All right, brother. Bye.